Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck, and each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week, we're watching Superman 2 from 1980, directed by Richard Lester and or Richard Donner. Uh, hmm. So there are multiple versions of Superman 2. There's the, the theatrical version that most people have seen, and there's the the Richard Donner cut, uh, the 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 sort of famous Donner cut that people talk about. Uh, that one of us may watch. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but this is the second in our doubleheader uh, of Superman movies. Uh, we did Superman last week, and so we're doing Superman two this week. Uh, John, this is uh, this is the the one that we. Or that I, I guess, envisioned that I was watching last week, uh, until I got about two thirds of the way through the movie and realized that the that Zod and his <laughs> his hench people weren't coming. You, you kept waiting last week. You were just waiting. I did. I was excited, like, and I was like, "Man, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Zod here." Where's comes. that? Where's that floating two dimensional prison? I want it back. Zone. Let's do it. Yeah, we have a. A real Snyder cut situation here, which you know we can get into later. But you know the the fans got on the internet and they demanded the Richard Donner cut be released, and and the internet and all of its power and glory made it happen. So yeah, it's, it's it happens all the time. Look at what happened with Deadpool. We got a minute and a half of a Deadpool movie, and then that turned into us having two, and soon to be three. Imagine, I imagine. Yeah, uh, and so that's definitely what happened with Superman 2, and we're here to tell you all about it. But before that, I think it's important that we watch the movie and forget all the other stuff that we were just saying. No, I'm, 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 if possible, <laughs> I might even, I'm more excited to see Superman 2 than I was with Superman, because according to my memory, and again, it's been quite a while, I feel like Superman 2 is the superior film and really gets to build off what was set up in the first movie, but without having the sacrifice of spending half of a two and a half hour movie, just slowly building up a bit of a world only to destroy it. Like this has a bit more freedom to just take the story and go with it. And so there's a lot that I'm anticipating a lot that I'm excited about, but I do have to share one little tidbit of information in that. Oh, please do. Uh, Superman 2 was up right, maybe not the first, but was in the grouping of one of the first movies I ever saw on a VHS or VCR, uh, let's say VHS player VCR, you know what I mean. Right, right. A lot of, a lot of young people these days might not know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, uh, probably about four or five movies come to mind and one of them was Superman 2 and the idea, you know, I would not seen the first Superman at this point in time and to get to see the Superman two on VHS was so exciting. I have this vivid memory of, of it going into the top feeder of this VHS player, pushing it down and then like just having this thing just unfurl and just be like, wow. Like it was just such a, I have such a more of emotional connection to Superman two than I do the first movie because I really experienced it when I was very young and unspoilt by anything else, it just really it captured my imagination, and it really was a, a formative movie within the whole superhero scope. So I'm 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 pretty excited to to get into this um, and have a lot more Superman related discussions. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 funny thinking about uh, the the VHS tapes and sort of the first movies that we watched on them. Although unfurl is probably not the best word to use with a VHS tape. You don't <laughs> want to unfurl that tape. Uh, but yeah. Anyhow, um, I, I I don't even have a whole lot to say. I think we just jump in and watch this. It's currently streaming on HBO Max. If you want to get it there, 
If you are so inclined, uh, the Donner Cut is available on Amazon to rent or the other streaming uh, purchase services to buy. So you can get the uh, the Donner Cut there or, I don't know, Blockbuster if you live in Oregon near the last <laughs> Blockbuster. Uh, and when we come back, we are talking about Superman 2. John, are you ready? Sure, L, I am. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, if you've been following us, then you know that this episode is out two weeks after, not the week after uh, Superman 1, uh, when we recorded the first part of this, we were just going to watch regular Degular Superman 2 and call it a day. And then mm. we uh, we decided to watch the Donner Cut, did we not, John? Well, we some of us did a little <laughs> more than that. Sure. Some of us watched the theatrical cut of Superman 2, and then we watched the Donner Cut of Superman 2. And then we watched the Donner Cut of Superman 2 with the commentary... With uh, director and producer, Manichevitz, Mankiewicz, Mankiewicz, that's it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so uh, some of us went a little bit uh, crazy. Yeah. uh, (laughs) John sent me a video uh, (laughs) Sunday night or Monday night and... (laughs) Showing me that he's watching them next, literally next to each other, one on the TV and one on the computers. It was very, uh, it was very wild to see John's work uh, happening uh, in real time. Uh, but we did it because we, we did it because Donner we care. Cuts, yeah, because we care. We we watch because we care. Dun, 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 dun. I need to get that sound drop. The more you know, sound drop. Uh, but we we did it because. Like I, I had not watched the Donner Cut, and I don't think you had watched it either, John. Or maybe you did. I, you know, it, it's funny. I'm, I, I don't know the answer to that. But <laughs> what what matters <laughs> is that we've seen it now, and man, we got a lot to talk about. We really do, and we we really should just kind of jump into it. Um, some some pretty big differences uh, in the two films. Uh, so I. I I think I want to ask first your overall impression of Superman 2. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to stay general to be inclusive of Please both do, and yes. just stay wide open for the moment. Overall, there are things I, I kind of loved about it. Things that had some classic throwback Superman funness to, to things that were going on, but... I'll say I think the highlight being Christopher Reeve and his portrayal and acting and and so much that went on here, not just the movie itself. The movie itself, I couldn't help but just get tied up in different little segments and things that just either just didn't make sense to me or that got me a little distracted or that didn't really contribute to the overall flow and feel of things. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went back and forth on on my thoughts and feelings. Then again, I did watch the stupid thing like three times in a row. Uh, so, so maybe, maybe that's why I'm a little more critical because I've just watched it so many times. Um, and so that might come through in my commentary. So for those diehard Superman two fans, please forgive me if I sound a little bit perturbed with some minor things. So, all right, I'll, I'll ask it this way then after your first watching uh, whichever version you watched, what was what were you feeling in terms of like this was better versus Superman one or vice versa? You know, I feel like it's a little bit more complete of a story. Um, I feel you're not mired down in that very long beginning uh, that t- you know takes forty five fifty minutes before you get past the initial introduction. You know, Before uh, we even see Christopher Reeve, right, right. right. So, like, it, it's not bogged down in that way, and I, I do like the other imprisoned Kryptonian 
uh, bad guys rather than just simply Lex and his scheme. So the stakes were higher. Um, you know, the, the quote-unquote fight scenes and special effects, all that stuff I'm sure at the time was just wonderful and mind-bending. Here, of course, <laughs> it's not a particularly thrilling. But no, I, I, I like... I like what went on here, and I'd say that, you know, I have hold Superman 2 in higher regard, although Superman 1, just having not seen it for so long, it just hit me with the the nostalgia vibes and the music, and everything just flooded in, and I was like, wow. And when here, I was more prepped and ready for it, and and then, like I said, watching it three times, but so it's hard to separate my first (laughs) third versus third viewing. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, like I, I enjoyed it. I think it escalated, uh, and raised the bar past the, the first movie. And I'm curious your, your takes. Um, I, I kind of agree. I, I didn't have that initially. Uh, and mostly because we, we watched Superman one. And then when we decided to do Superman two, I jumped right into the Donner cut and, and, because, like, full disclosure to the audience, we weren't even going to do both movies. It was going to be like, oh, we'll pick one and do it and call it good. And then we said, oh, we need to do the other one now and compare the two. And that's, again, why you have this episode airing two weeks after we did the last one. So with all that said, we watched the Donner cut first, and I didn't love it. Like, I I. I I wasn't really into it there. There was a bit of, obviously it's the unfinished nature of it, right? Like there's, there were scenes that didn't get finished. There were effects that didn't get applied to a lot of what Richard Donner shot. And so that's what we got in this Richard Donner cut of Superman two. And I was left kind of wanting a little bit more and, like I felt like the ending was lazy. And so I was like, Oh, you know, it's fine. But Superman one is better. And then we watched the theatrical cut of Superman two. And I kind of turned a corner on it. And obviously it's not a perfect movie. There are many aspects of it that I would totally change, but Superman two on the whole for me is the theatrical cut is better than Superman one. Huh? Well, there you have it, folks. It's it's been decided. Yeah, uh, that's our show, everyone. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna jump a little bit more in depth here, but uh, that that's a good baseline for the two of us, I think. So let's talk a little bit about the differences between these two movies. Uh, I I I appreciated in the theatrical cut the the sort of recap that we got. Like it, it, it dragged on a little bit because little it's, bit. it's just like this whole, like it, we're, we're not getting audio. We're not getting like any dialogue or anything like that. It's just, it's the, it's the fucking score of the film against this recap real quick with some credits thrown in. And I could have done without about half of it. Yeah. I think there, obviously this was all, built towards capitalizing on the success, the massive unexpected success of the first Superman. And so that first nine minutes and 14 seconds is all... Oh, you timed it. <laughs> well, I was I was watching two versions simultaneously, so I was just noting how far along like the Donner cut got before we even started the movie in the, the release, the theatrical release. So it was interesting. Yeah. But yeah. So that first, let's just call it nine minutes, is nothing more than a clip show from Superman 1 set to the theme music. Which, fine. Yeah. But again, I could have done without half of it. Yeah, so. especially because we just watched it. Um, right. So yes, yeah, so, and then and, and then you cut right to the Paris terrorist scene, which is something totally different and not at all yeah, in, and, and completely left out of the Donner cut. Yeah, yeah. it was it, that was one of the, the many reshoots that happened. Uh, when the the helm was taken over on this movie. So I think what what everybody, you know, is hoping that we'll get into that I could just dive into real fast here is that I wanna talk about my Urk gritting. Oh wait, 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 hold on. Let me let me fly around the world backwards and try that again. My what really grits my Urk nope, nope. Let me fly around backwards and get the world and reset time again. Grit Urkin. Yes, sir. 
that's me. Time to get on the gritter can train. Two two grits. <laughs> grits. <laughs> so, oh man. Well, you've already kind of alluded to it, but go ahead. Well, no, there's there's so much. There's so so much. It's interesting. Like I, I'm gonna just I actually started making notes because I mean some of it is which just Which is an which is a very unjohn thing to do, by yeah, the way. I was afraid of forgetting things because there was so much going on. So for first off, when when in both cuts of the movies, when when after the Kryptonians are freed and they go to the moon, and uh, I forget the lady Kryptonian's name, but um, Ursa, yeah, Ursa. So when she encounters the astronaut, her her line is, "What sort of creature are you?" And he's like, "Man," and it's like. But look at the Kryptonians. Like, how would she look at someone that looks identical to her and be like, whoa, what kind of weird thing is this? You don't look any... Oh, wait, no, you look identical to everything else. Like, it's just so so weird to me that that line just bothered me after seeing it three times. That well, like, But it, it struck me as weird, too. Like, it, it's this thing where it's established in the, the film and in the comics and everything... It's established that Kryptonians and humans look indistinguishable from one another. Yeah, but they like, are effectively the same species that evolved on two different planets. So, how are you going to look at a person standing in front of you and go, "What kind of creature are you?" Well, obviously they're a fucking person. So exactly. So so that was just weird. Um, the second thing. Yeah, it's not doesn't really work my grits as much as it's more like observation and just making me kind of wonder, which is all this whole like, like, Miss Tex Tessmacher, go north, head north, go north. They they don't have a compass. <laughs> they're they're flying. They're flying in quotes, flying a balloon, a hot air balloon or weather balloon type vehicle. Su super navigable. Right, super, right. Super kind of hard to just make go north because you feel that way. And Metropolis, which is obviously you know, stand-in for New York City, I mean, has a Statue of Liberty and everything, <laughs> but like <laughs> and Twin Towers. So if let's say Lexus housed in a prison somewhere relatively close to there, a, a hot air balloon slash snowmobile ride to the North Pole from <laughs> from the New York City area, it's gonna take you a little while. You'll probably just die. Or not get there, but hey, cool, whatever. So, so there's. Well, and she even says it's been two days. Like we left two days ago. When, when she says she has to use a bathroom, and he's like, "Well, you couldn't go before we left." Well, we left two days ago. How have you been driving a snowmobile for two days without a gas station in sight? Yeah, so so many little things that they're just like, "This is fun." But that. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Rupert. No, please. I I, I appreciate it because then it's not just me talking because all this is, and and yeah. So like all of the practical things with that with having to do with with time and this is not a problem with superman this is a problem with almost every movie or comic book thing with with pe people with powers especially when it comes to like moving quickly like it takes there there's terrorists at the eiffel tower and it takes superman about nine minutes to get from metropolis to paris but then when the bomb is going to explode in the elevator it takes him about 30 seconds to fly past the moon he goes past the moon. Now, I'm not saying, oh, in the comics, Superman couldn't fly from the Earth to the moon in 30 seconds. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that they have this problem with time and dilation and perspective within the movie that annoys me because you just get caught up with these things like the practicality of, okay, not only did Lex and Miss Tessmacher make it to the Fortress of Solitude, they had to make it back, too. With again, is there a fucking gas station at the Fortress of Solitude? Does does Kalel keep fucking petroleum on hand? At least in one of the cuts, I can't remember if it's both when when Superman has to go back to the Fortress of Solitude after getting beat up at the diner and deciding he has to do something. At least they show him walking on the street and trying to hitchhike. And the the fact oh, yeah, that no, that was in both cuts. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was one or both, but like at least that's at least they're trying to show you. Oh yeah. This is a this is a pain. This is hard. This and, is and woefully underdressed, by the way. Right, but yeah, <laughs> in so, a members only jacket and fucking <laughs> slacks. But you know, it's like uh, yeah, 
So, so there's that. There's then there's also, um, and and again, I'm I'm kind of putting this all in the category of like I'm going on a rant, but some things are just more like funny observations from like what this. Do is... it, Dennis Miller. Do it. Go yeah. on a rant. So uh, I'm shaking my head. You can't see it. Okay, <laughs> that visual humor doesn't work. <laughs> They're at Niagara Falls. <laughs> Superman rescues the little boy as he's flying up. They they're saying some very something along the lines of wow what a oh god yeah. I know what you're gonna say and you're so right and I and, and I'll I'll clarify what I know about this but so they're like oh what a man and then some middle aged old lady Genta. voice yells out well of course he's Jewish <laughs> not not even like I fucking died both times I watched the movie. And I was like, are you really doing this? I mean, it is famous that uh, what's the buckets that created Superman are, were Jewish. And then, you know, like all, all that lore and connectivity between Jewish faith and Superman, like there's something there. But the fact that just this out of context, off screen commentary <laughs> that they, the, the writers slash directors love so much, like, oh, classic. We got to keep it in there. That was hilarious. And so it was just, that was interesting and or amusing <laughs> but then uh, little known fact that was margot kidder was it no it could have been i don't know it could have been me i can't remember these things so oh, man there's and then of course the one last thing that makes me go you know at, at first i was like richard donner why are you putting in him reversing the planet again to turn back time because that was my biggest <laughs> fucking complaint. The entire Donner cut, that was my biggest complaint. Well, I found out from listening to the commentary that it was never, it. the original idea was not to have things happen in a way where that was required in the first Superman. The plan was to include that in the second movie. And so he kind of just felt like because it kind of got shoehorned into the first movie and they wanted to, to do all that, then he felt like, well, I'm going to put it here because this is originally what I wanted, so I'm going to stick to it and include that at the end and stuff like that. But what I really think is that I, I think the reason that's in there is because, obviously, that Superman, he just wants to he wants to go sex up Lois and like flat-out murder some Kryptonians and then just reverse time so he can go and abuse that jerk at the diner. Um, notice he didn't do that and then reverse time. Like, it was like... Oh, no, yeah. He had to make sure made that sure, Made sure that it was completely unexpected that he was going in there and being a a, a, a steel punching yeah. bag to this guy who, was ne- who he's never met. Which also is just that, that adding in that little zinger of him going back and beating up that guy. It's just, like, so petty and so, like, people living out, like, their daydreams of when they were picked on as a kid and what they wish they could have done and all this stuff. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, so I'm, and as I, as I wind down from this rant, um, I, I just want to say also like in, in the midst of all this, that there were a lot of people who saw Man of Steel and did not like that movie, including me. But one of the things that people really had a hard time with was the fact that in that movie, spoiler alert coming, if you haven't seen Man of Steel, uh, Superman kills Zod at the end of the movie by snapping his neck. And everyone's like, Superman never kills anyone. People have said the same thing about Batman, but then watch all these bad movies where he's obviously killing many people. We've covered this before. So right. the whole thing is, but Superman's different. He's the Boy Scout. He's the good one. He's not the Dark Knight. He's he's the, you know... He's, but he's, I, don't, I don't know that it was ever canon that Superman doesn't kill. Well, it's just, instead of it being canon, it's more just like, he just doesn't because he's good. Like, that's, that's like something that a lot of people just kind of hold dear, and that's just how he is. And he always finds a way to, like, just capture people by wrapping metal around them or doing whatever it takes, whatever. But so, so that comes up, or he just beats him up real bad, but doesn't kill him, like, that's a thing. But in this, in both versions, well, I guess he reverses time in the Donner version, but still, in both versions, they they just kill a couple of those Kryptonians. Clark kills one, Lois kills one, and one kills himself. Yeah. 
they just kill him. They don't even, and then they never talk about it. Right? They don't even. It, it, yeah. like, and and specifically the theatrical cut, like it's never brought up after that. It's like, cool, we're good. Let's head back to Metropolis and fucking crack a couple cold ones. Like, yeah, it's not even like, oh, you think you think they're still alive? This is a pretty important loose end to tie up, should, right? Should, should should you at least fly down there and look, or like, whoa? It's like no. Which spoiler in Batman v Superman that 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 loose end does in fact get tied up. So. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a thing that happens, but the the fact that they they leave it so open in this and it, it's just it felt lazy and like okay we don't really want to address this and we don't want to necessarily talk about it anymore either. So are we good? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, let's go. It's that like it's the the whole like oh you're picking on me now I pick on you and and oh you're a a woman Kryptonian, and you were about to kill me, but now guess what? You don't have power, sister, so I'm going to murder you and laugh about it. It's like, <laughs> okay, cool, Lois, uh, pow, splat, fell over. She's not even like, oh, or like no, no reaction to anything, just like smiling, like, aha, I did it. I, I kind of wanted Lois to call her a cunt personally, but like. Well, that's also that... in, in the commentary. Um, oh, is it? No, I, that one of the few things. Ah, we, we got each other today. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That's good. That's zinger. Buzzing. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like what, what like outside of the whole spinning the earth around multiple times in multiple movies because it's such a cool thing. Like, were there anything, uh, was there anything in here? We'll get to positive stuff, you know, but as far sure. as anything irking your grits uh, uh, that I didn't I mean, touch on. The, so the from the Donner cut, uh, and and probably rightfully so, just because of how Richard Donner wanted to tell that story, a lot of it felt recycled. Uh, it, it just didn't feel original. And like I get that he, he was a victim of circumstance or whatever. Like he just, he wasn't getting along with the studio, and then you had the whole Brando thing. Uh, uh, sorry, I we didn't bring that up we didn't get Marlon Brando in the theatrical cut because he had sued Warner brothers, uh, over royalties. So that's why we had Kalel's mother instead, uh, kind of talking to him and all this in the Donner cut, what he had originally shot with Brando and how it, you know, parts of it looked kind of hokey and whatever. And, and it, what it felt, you know, unfinished and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, on, just on the whole, like the the whole movie just felt like a, a lazy. It, it felt like Superman one and a half, basically. It was interesting to look at some of the choices to see what was important to him in terms of storytelling, and like I think, like in the commentary, they talked about the stuff with Brando um, as being like the biggest shame of what wasn't in the movie because they felt like they they set up in the first movie the story of this father that saved the son and then the son growing up and, and this whole idea of him giving up his powers and then reabsorbing his father. Like it's this whole cyclical thing that they felt was kind of vital to the character of Superman. It's like, okay, I, I see what you're saying there. But like what I thought was interesting was one of the, the scenes that he wanted included, which was at Niagara Falls um, where Lois shoots Clark. Right. That was like, that that was something I would have liked to have had because the 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 hand burning thing you could pretty easily write off as like as an observer going oh you you should be pretty badly burned and I could just go oh no my hand wasn't in the fire for that long and like it, I I pulled it back pretty quick so it should be fine just a little singed and just like walk it off and call it good you can't do that with a gunshot like <laughs> you get blasted in the chest with a fucking thirty eight and you're if you're a human being you're not getting up yeah but so so i thought a part of that was interesting or 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 clever and at first my thought was you know she really is psychotic you know because he could have died and she's like (laughs) but i was firing blanks and you're like oh okay but that that scene had to be stitched together from screen tests that margot kidder and christopher reeve did that that oh that's right the yeah. scene was never filmed for the movie and it wasn't a reshoot or anything so it was all segments of things that they just filled for filmed for the 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 whole test and so you could see 
that like in that scene that Christopher Reeve's hair changes and his glasses change, which I didn't pick up on. Um, oh no, I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, his hair length changes and his glasses change as they cut back and forth between two scenes. And he's also very skinny because he hadn't started working with David uh, uh, Prowse, who is the body from Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> but he, he worked with him to bulk up uh, to be Superman. But this the screen test and all that happened before he did anything. So he's real skinny. Not real skinny, but just skinnier. Yeah, not as bulky yeah. as so he is. <laughs> that was interesting to, to have that scene. And I appreciated a part of that part of the storytelling. And, and as a whole in the Donner cut, Lois is way more perceptive from the very beginning. She she knows and is suspicious. It's not like doesn't take a, you know a whole another long segment of her wondering and trying to figure out if he's Superman or not. It's like right from the beginning, she's like drawing the glasses on the newspaper and she's she's just got this trying trying to get locked on and figure things out. Um, well, and she's vital and lively. That yeah. that's one thing I'll definitely give to the Donner cut is that she's vital and lively in that movie and in. The, the theatrical cut, she's like very subdued and almost boring to watch. But let me ask you this. This is, I think, a good question or a good time to bring up this question. Like, if you take, say, this is a, a famous trope on, on almost every superhero thing ever, which is the whole my secret identity has to be a secret. And in some movies, like, say, Spider-Man or, or comics or whatever, it's this whole like, well, I got to protect... Aunt May, I gotta protect the people I love. If they found out I'm Spider-Man, they might go after them and hurt them, that kind of thing. But there's, I don't think there's ever any reason given why he doesn't want to tell Lois that he's Superman. Um, and then why the whole idea of he just can't be with her if he's Superman. Like that, that whole angle, I'm just kind of curious, like, why does he have to give up his powers because he loves her? Like, what what's in that? Unpack. There's that. there there is a lot of unexplained stuff there, and it, it gets. I think it got more confusing for me in the theatrical cut than it did for the the Donner cut. So having you know Brando explain it versus the the mother, uh, it it it, it there was no like lore that i could think of or there's there's no they spent they spend so much time talking about such trivial shit and they couldn't mm -hmm. like expound on this for another 30 seconds to give the audience a good explanation as to why he has to give up his powers like that felt very kind of lazy and, and and shoehorned in like hey we need an excuse for him to give up his powers oh it's love it, I, I guess the powers were the friends we made along the way. At least, uh, like, if they would have had a scene with, with his dear old dad or anything else where he's like, oh, you know, dad, I, I'm 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 in love with one of these humans. And his dad's like, I forbid it. You are the protector. You are blah, and goes on and on. And like, if, if you want, you have to choose. I'm demanding as your father to choose between your Kryptonian roots or join and become a human. Like, if there would have been just some blow up, some little... That would have felt 100% better to me. Yeah. Or if, if there would have been some kind of threat or, or something to Lois at some point where he's like, you know, if I'm going to be Superman and do all these things... People are gonna might are gonna be like you. They'll be smart. They'll figure it out. And once they figure it out, they'll hurt you. Like if there were just, even if it's lame, and I hate that excuse, but even if that was, at least explaining it rather than having them both just accept. Well, this makes sense. Like Lois doesn't even go. What? No. What are you doing? Oh my god, that fucking pissed me off in the theatrical cut, especially like she doesn't say a word about yeah. it. She just stands there and lets him walk into the fucking chamber. She's like, oh. Awesome. So this is some sort of a safe sex thing then, right? Like if even if that would have been explained. Like I'm sorry. Yeah, and that, I would and just, fine. If you know, I I'd, I I'd blow the back of your head out like a shotgun blast. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I get it. We'll do that then. You give up your powers and then we can do it. But yeah, nothing. So it wasn't just me that that really uh was a Oh, theme. that that irked the shit out of my grits. So Oh man. Well, Let's talk a little bit about the powers of Superman, and and because I do, I do think one of the f funny powers that that there's two funny powers that I didn't know he had. The funniest is maybe the ability to open champagne by squeezing the bottle, <laughs> an unsqueezable glass bottle. Yes, right. Like 
that's I think, a great power. I think that's one of those, like, I, I want to rewind time and put this in Mythbusters and have them see, is it possible to open up a glass bottle by applying any pressure in any way from the outside, or would it just shatter the bottle? Like I, So he, here's my theory on uh-huh. it, because I don't think it's, I, I don't see it as squeezing. I, the way that I see it is, uh, if you think about like the Flash, mm, yeah, and how he can like hyper quick vibrate his body, mm-hmm. he shakes that bottle to the point where the cork just blows off. That's what I think happened. Fair, fair. That that's more realistic than just power. Um, so <laughs> squeeze bottle power. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's that's fun. So the other funny one was, and, and this you see this more in the uh, theatrical cut. Is I guess Kryptonians have telekinesis, like ray ray gun telekinesis with their fingers, where in, in the in the Donner <laughs> cut, he like uses it to like lift a gun up or something. He just kind of points and goes. Woo, 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 woo. You, you're talking about Zod. Uh, I I, I was it because because what I'm thinking of when you mention that is when uh the 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 criminals the Kryptonian criminals uh they land on earth and they're standing in the middle of the road and take the shotgun from the cop. Yeah. Yeah. And then later it's even more, there's even more of it. Uh, not later, but I'm sorry. In the theatrical cut, there's, they do it even more in, in that town in the East Houston. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's just like multiple times. It shows that they have these powers and it's like, okay, well, you know, taking a few liberties, but whatever, I, I guess I wonder if it's just that someone didn't really, know exactly what these superman powers were so they just kind of assumed if he could do all these things why couldn't he do this thing like and then just did it but yeah it just it's kind of struck me as interesting that got some additional powers (laughs) oh yeah and the power of amnesia by kissing (laughs) that's my other favorite oh man there's (laughs) the the I, I will say for as beloved as these movies are and as groundbreaking as they were for the genre, uh, there there's a lot of real outlandish shit, even by like fantasy fiction standards. Uh, <laughs> they just make shit up on the fly to, you know, to, to, to move the story along, I guess. I'm going to name that last power as the forget me now kiss. <laughs> Oh, good old forget me now. If you're a <laughs> fan of Arrested Development, you know what we're talking about. Uh, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about the stuff that I did like because yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a, there's a lot to shit on, but there's also a lot to to really enjoy. I I liked uh, in the Donner cut. I did like the opening uh, a, a fair bit better. I thought that it was like it, it was a much more concise recap, and then we're sort of right into. Uh, you know the thick of the bullpen in the the uh, Daily Planet and like getting the assignment to go up to Niagara Falls and all that stuff. Uh, that I f- it it felt a, a little bit cleaner to me. It was it was a, a little easier to digest than the nine minutes and would you say fourteen seconds yeah. of <laughs> the the recap at the beginning of the theatrical cut. Uh that I thought was was pretty well done. Overall, the the storytelling in the Donner cut wasn't that bad. It's just there were parts of it that felt lazy, and that that was my chief complaint, I think. But uh, theatrical cut there. Oh, I, oh, there's one other thing I got to talk about before we talk about positive stuff. Oh, okay. And I, I and I'm bringing it up mainly because Fernando brought it up when uh, I was talking to him about us doing this. He was like, can you please bring up the cellophane yes, S? Yes, that I totally, I didn't want to interrupt you, <laughs> but I'm so glad that happened because, yeah, I called it the, the saran wrap S. But, like, <laughs> the fact that it, it even exists is one thing, that it it was what was, I don't know exactly what was supposed to happen there. And, yeah, it really, really kind of surprised me that it this it gave it a little batmanish yeah. element to it cuz like you know all of a sudden he has this suit that has like accessories and shit like boom straight jacket like for for all every once in a while they had a few clever uses of, of props and things but that 
again, with no explanation, leans to what you were saying about it feeling like things were stitched together with, you know, pieces pulled from here and there, or we, we just don't have the backstory, we don't understand. It's not like Captain America and, and you know, the uh, Falcon where we're seeing them train with the, you know, shield and we understand what's coming. We don't see Superman training with cellophane and saran wrap and seeing what happens. That's just pull. <laughs> Throwing it on dummies. It's and pull out of nowhere, thrown once. He pops right out of it, and it's like, oh, I thought I'd try it. I mean, you know, it's funny because Jarrell was telling me that these were just like a liner for the bed, but I thought, man, I bet these would make for a cool trap, but I was wrong. This is just really insane to me that, like, how do you come up with that? But, like, on the flip <laughs> side, talking about things we like, here, here's just a very uh, <laughs> a subtle, uh, a subtle little thing that they did in the Donner cut that, like, I thought... Uh, pulled off real well and was a real nice touch on uh, the Fortress of Solitude is having Lois wear Superman's shirt uh, when she wakes up. Like, oh yeah, because if, to, just to in, just to indicate that there had been coitus. But yeah, but no, like the the, the using the prop in that way because my first thought was, oh, here's another thing to ridicule. Of course, Superman has like a super nighty or a super nightgown stored away in the super quilt. Yeah. Stored away in the fortress of solitude in case a lady visitor comes. But then I was like, (laughs) Oh wait, no, I get it. That's his shirt. And he's so big that on her, it looks just like a nightgown. Right. And so I thought, Oh, well that for, for whatever reason that tickled me. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to complain. That's actually good job. Whatever. Yeah, it, it was it was well enough done. I thought that that was that was pretty nice. Um, I'll, I I want to talk a little bit about Lex in this movie versus uh, Superman one yeah. because like he he's got the hubris and he's got the 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 like the the criminal uh, prowess and whatever, but he he seemed more menacing in Superman one. And I don't know if it's just because he's being put up against the Kryptonians or if he's just generally like not as menacing as, as I remembered him being, but it's definitely Superman one. He was, he was, uh, he felt a lot more dangerous than he did in this. It's definitely both things. Like he was downgraded. He was written into this as a support bad guy like he is playing second fiddle and we're getting to see him get a bit of his comeuppance against the worst bad guys. And it's just played more, I would say for laughs or at least close to laughs, close to comic relief, both scenes with Ned Beatty and with, uh, what's her face. Miss Tessmacher. Um, Miss Tessmacher. Yeah. But like, uh, again, like when they're escaping and he does the rabbit ears over Lex and like all these, like, <laughs> like, okay, kind of roll my eyes and, and like all, all sorts of the aspects of this are just kind of done to be kind of silly and like, oh, I should have known you were going to double cross me because I double crossed you and you double crossed me. Ha ha ha. And, you know, all, all that the stuff that happened, but it was all to like, I think, show a contrast between like these actual villains who are really trouble and Lex, who's just more of a dum, dum, boom, 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 um, cause trouble. And, and so... Yeah, I, I I thought it was a shame, and I mean, it's funny because both Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman were kind of like the two big names in the movie, um, and they both had in their contracts, you know, a start and an end date. They had to film all their things first, and so, like, all like the fight scene at the end, all the flying around, all the special effects, normally they like to film that stuff first so that they can have more time with the effects. And important to note here that... Uh, uh, these two films, Superman and Superman Two, were filmed concurrently. They they were all the filming took place at the same time, or was supposed to at least. Right. I mean, and so and yeah, there was different levels of overlap, and and in fact, the commentary for that I listened to, they're talking a lot about the production as a whole, and and for the most part, they're just saying really positive things about how much they love the actors, and you know, it's not super gossipy for the most part, except for a few things, and. Um, but yeah, but so like you, you definitely, um, oh yeah, <laughs> for what I was saying, but Gene Hackman and, and Marlon Brando, like they had it all structured in a contract to get their things filmed first, get it in and out and you're done. So all these scenes, everything with 
Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty and, and with Marlon Brando and Miss Tessmacher, that was all filmed by Donner um, because it was all in the beginning and it all was right. done and wrapped and gone. So, so when they did the theatrical cut, weaving in these other independent scenes that already happened and stuff like that, it, you know, it was all just kind of inserted in and not shot or reshot or anything like that. And, and yeah, so Gene Hackman, I feel like he really, like we loved his secret base in the first one. We loved, like he really had, he was the focus because there wasn't a whole lot else going on. Um, right. And so as a result, he was more direct, more menacing. You had to confront and deal with him head on. Whereas in this, he's almost just a side character, uh, which yeah. is, you know, a shame. And I mean, that's about as much as we get him for. I think he has like less than 15 minutes of screen time in this movie like he's just not a prominent character no that's probably a lot of it (laughs) go north mr smarker uh what else did you like in this john Uh, i still love the score oh score's great john that john williams score and it wasn't it wasn't even always john williams uh that was supposed to be doing the score it was jerry goldsmith um who donner worked with in the omen Okay, but because of scheduling conflicts, he picked uh, John Williams. But then, because of all the complexities and everything that was going on, there were some production delays. Then the job ended up going back to Goldsmith. But then, in the midst of that, there were also different conflicts that happened, and it went back to Williams again. So even though John Williams gets the credit for a lot of the score and, and well deserved, Jerry Goldsmith was also wrapped into the entire production and again just another example of why it felt a little shatter shot at times because uh along with all the other things going on in the music the the composing and getting everything straight kind of ping pong back and forth and all over but i still i still love the the, the main themes I, I i love the superman theme is one of my one of my favorite you know, movie well, score it, sounds like both the classic Danny Elfman Batman and the John Williams Superman. I just absolutely love both of them. Well, and, and even the uh, the Goldsmith uh, contributions to, to the score are good. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's nothing wrong with them. I enjoy them thoroughly. But the John Williams is John Williams. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's hard to compare. But yeah, like things that I like, I really have to circle back again um, to. <clears throat> What's his name? Christopher Reeve. Um, and, and the what he's given here, there are times like where maybe I'm annoyed and I think the whole, I'm going to go get beat up in the diner because I'm human, but I want to stick up for Lois and, and how that, that felt a little overdone and it just was just a whole lot going on. But it's like, okay, whatever. But for the most part... Well, hold on. Hold on. Uh, I, 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 I want to talk about that scene real quick because I, I meant to bring it up earlier and I didn't. There... Oh, you're standing there watching the scene and it almost feels like he doesn't know what to do. Like not Christopher Reeve, but Clark Kent right. he doesn't know what to do because he spent his entire life holding back because he's got these powers that human beings don't have. So he's holding back and he doesn't cause trouble. He doesn't get into fights and he doesn't, he doesn't punch or, or, or kick or anything like that people. And so he gets into this confrontation with this guy in his diner and doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to react or how to uh, approach this guy aside from, hey, do you want to step outside? And then he's getting the shit kicked out of him and doesn't react. He doesn't He doesn't put a hand up to stop him. He doesn't try to block shots or anything like that. It's like he doesn't know what to do because yeah. he's never he's never been challenged in this way before. And he's never felt pain either, at least not this kind right. of pain. So, yeah, so that's true. So it's, again, not a fault with the movie or anything, but I. No, if anything, it's a it's a plus. Yeah. Like it, it adds an element of realism that, oh, this alien person who has infinite power or has had infinite power since he arrived on this planet now doesn't know what to do with himself because he doesn't have that power anymore. Yeah. So, like, overall, the the performance and how it was done just really makes for such a satisfying portrayal of this superhero and the he he's got the charm he's got the the transitioning between what it takes to be Clark Kent to what it means to be Superman but then he has the whole like what it's a human versus a Kryptonian and you know like all these different 
levels of what he's doing. Like, I, I just really thought that he was kind of the, the heart and soul of what was going on in these movies. And like in the Donner cut, like you'd said, that Lois had more gumption and had, had more spark and was just, you know, more present uh, for the entirety of, of the story. And it centered a little bit more about their interaction, which I thought was a smart move. So like, those are things that I did really enjoy. Yeah, I did as well. Uh, did we discuss when we did the Superman episode, who our favorite Superman? No, was? you said we were going to have to save that. We, okay. I, that's what I thought. I wasn't hundred percent sure as we were going into this. So let's talk Superman uh, in general. So we've had numerous Superman over the years. We've had obviously uh, Christopher Reeve and we've had uh, Brennan Routh. Uh, we almost had Nicolas Cage. Uh, we've had he- uh, Henry Cavill. There's been a, a bunch of Superman uh, over the years. Who's your favorite? Well, I, you know, I, I may have spilt my hand by just going on about it, but like, I really do think, especially if we're talking about movies um, and we're not getting into, say, uh, animated movies, or I don't feel like there's such a consistent, a lot of people have done Superman and animated stuff, both cartoons, movies, etc. True. Um, and I don't think any one of them to me stands out as just, just amazing in the same way that it does like on the Batman side of animated stuff. So, but I'll just say, Oh, for sure. In terms of what, what's going on with P- Peter Weller, the best, uh, yeah. best Batman. Exactly. Oh, uh, maybe. But anyway, uh, Christopher Reeve is the short answer. He is the the best, you know, whether the movies are, are the best or not, which, I mean, they probably are. But, like, I uh, just his performance, I think he brings that combination of human and Kryptonian and it blends it together. And um, it, it's, yeah, I don't think it's really even close. Unless uh, you feel differently. No, I, well, I do a little. Um, like it, it's, it's still not very close. Like I, I enjoyed Brandon Routh's, uh, uh, portrayal of Superman. Like I thought that it was fun and it, it really did a, a nice sort of homage to, uh, to Christopher Reeve in the role, but also like he, he did his own thing and it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so there's, there's that Henry Cavill as Superman, don't particularly love uh not that he not that i think he's bad necessarily but i don't think he's good uh dean kane was fine uh i i didn't really watch much of smallville so i can't really talk to that one uh so i i guess at the end of the day it's it's got to be christopher reeve like he's he's the man he's superman it's it's true <laughs> it's, it's, like it's really difficult to to separate that role into someone else. Yeah, I really like some of the things that Henry Cavill and Brandon Routh have done, but being Superman isn't, and it's not necessarily their fault, but like for Brandon and Superman Returns, I thought he was kind of wooden and emotionless and, and not having any fun with it, whereas you take it a step further and, and, and we're in the Snyderverse of you know Henry Cavill being dark and gritty like he... Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan, which of course Christopher Nolan wrote or co-wrote, I think, Man of Steel. I don't know if that's. Uh, I think so. That that might be true. Whether they wrote it or just helped with the stories and producing it, but anyway, that whole you know what really makes a superhero movie good is making it dark and gritty. Uh, yes, Christopher Nolan is credited with part of the cool. story. Um, so yeah, so it's like leaning into that and making that your decision then. That's that's what Henry Cavill's doing. He's trying to play that role in that part. I'm I don't know if this is confirmed or rumored, but uh, just a rumor. But he's it looks like he's set to play Captain Britain in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Oh, is he really? And so uh, again, that could just be a rumor, but it may also be true. And I think that is a very interesting role and could, especially if he's. Brian Braddock and there's a whole bunch going on with that character that we could get into some other time but so I I don't see it on his IMDb profile although what I do see on his IMDb profile it's also rumored but Highlander oh so yeah they're gonna do a Highlander reboot so So yeah so there's so much there 
a lot of a lot of things that I could be happy with, and you know, but not Superman. So I I will say that for your comments on Brandon Routh, it's been a while since I've watched Superman Returns. So maybe you're right. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch it, and maybe I just was. Yeah, it's I don't know, untrained and naive, I guess. But uh, for for any failings that he may have had in that role in that movie, uh, when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths, and yeah. we get him <laughs> as Superman again, like that to me was pretty well done. Like he he really leaned into it. I felt like yeah, I think we. I think we did get a chance to talk about at least that element when we talked about the first Superman. But yeah, anyway, that sounds right. Um, yeah, that that was that was fun, a great acknowledgement, and 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 really kind of cool on that front. But uh, do you have a, a favorite Lex that's not Gene Hackman? Uh, oh, you know what? For apologies if we've done all this before, because now it's coming back to me, and because we talked a bit about Lex, and and. We, we, we... Yeah, we did. I don't know if we necessarily um, gave our favorite, but well, because there's not a lot of good choices, and like I mentioned, it's Gene. Well, and I mentioned Michael Rosenbaum uh, in Smallville, and you're like, I haven't really seen that, so like I know we talked about that a little bit, but I I really, I really did enjoy his portrayal quite a bit. Maybe the best thing about that show. There, there is one thing I'll say. And I hate that I feel this way, but it's one of those like separate the artist from the art sort of deals is I did kind of like, <laughs> of <you> shut the fuck <laughs> up. I, I did kind of like Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor. Like he, he, for, for all of his failings as a fucking human being, what a piece of shit he is. He fucking can bring the presence on screen and he could bring Lex to life in a way that a lot of other Lexes don't. Yeah, it's kind of like the same problem with Joker, where everybody wants to bring something new and a new angle and a new edge and a new thing. So Jesse Eisenberg trying to be Lex, so like it just a lot of that felt just forced in a weird way. Like just things didn't always. I mean, work. most of what Jesse Eisenberg does feels forced to me. To be fair, yeah, I think like you know, like you have to put like the word land at the end of a movie for it to be okay with him. Adventure land or zombie <laughs> land or, you know, things like that. That's it. That's the, it's the only two lands he's in. Yeah. So. And I think he was in Facebook land. Oh, that's right. Facebook land. Yeah. So the, the, the perennial favorite about social network countries. So here, here's my fi- My final question to you is, do we stop here? Do we remember Superman as fond as it gets? Because According to my recollection and that of the rest of the world and the internet, as we it's pretty down as you forge into Richard Pryor <laughs> Superman and the quest for peace and you know like it's universally kind of panned and stuff. So part of me wants to take on the punishment and go forward and see what happens, but a part of me is like, run away! You you've done enough. You've watched enough Supermans. <laughs> go go play in the field somewhere. Well, I guess our audience is just going to have to stay tuned until next week to find out if we're going to do that. That is our show, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to us each and every week as we distill another favorite part past, well, almost every week. Uh, we have new new episodes almost every Monday, so come and hang out with us on Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and all those various podcast apps, or head over to tmdpod.com. You can catch us there. That's where our episodes also exist. And the and I'm out of words to say, so I'm going to turn it over to John. I really like how every podcast you um, set me up, and you know, because sometimes I'm like, what should I do now? Should I? Should I talk a bit more about... No, I'm going right into the end bit. Um, No suspense this time. I'm not going to waste anyone's time by rambling. Okay, you can edit all that out if you want. Um, Nope, that's the end. Okay, the music. We have some on our podcast. You listen to it. It was almost by John Williams, but he wasn't available because he's working on other projects. So Semaphore gave us Destroying the Evidence, and that's the music that you're hearing in the beginning, in the middle, and all over the place. It's really good. Check them out. And also, while you're at it, we'd love for you to email us with any questions or comments or show notes or things that you'd like to see happening, whether you want to... you say show notes? Show notes, yeah. Not show notes, which would be a normal thing, but show notes. It's a show nuff, show nuts. Just, you know, send us your show nuts. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like the cronut phase just <laughs> took a different turn. Um, but yeah, just write to us, to memorydistillery at gmail.com, because... 
we want to know, first of all, have we done Superman justice? Have we got it all wrong? Do you desperately want us to dig in on Zack Snyder's Justice League black and white in order to see the proper version of Superman? What What do you all think is the Did best Did we way? miss the mark on anything? Yeah, yeah. Did we miss anything? Was there something that we should have talked about? Were you like, Anthony, you said Nicolas Cage was never Superman, but he was actually the voice of Superman in the animated Teen Titans go to the movies. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. Okay, everybody knows that. Anyway. That's common, common knowledge. knowledge. So just you know, let us know if we're screwing up because we need that kind of feedback. And you can also hang out on Facebook, you know, just look up the member distillery or tweet us, Team Pod. Uh, basically, a lot of ways to communicate with us if you so choose. Thank you, everybody, again for listening. I'm Cal L. And I'm Jor L. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Kneel before Zod! He says that in the movie twice. He does. <laughs> it's great. Multiple times. And then he just shouts his name. Yeah. Zod! Oh, that was very loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't listening, so it's cool. <laughs>